Town Bank Mortgage, NMLS number 512138, is an equal housing lender. This podcast is for informational purposes only. And now, the man born with a 5 o'clock shadow and with the NMLS number 2028201. He is a gentleman. He is a scholar. He is... Tyler Crawley. So is it just me or... Does it not feel like we are one day away from Thanksgiving? I don't know. Maybe it's just me. (laughs) Maybe it's the weather. It is a little unseasonably warm here in the Wilmington area. But we are. We are. We're one day away from Thanksgiving. And this is the Wednesday edition of the Markets and Mortgages. I was very excited about that. The Wednesday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am the aforementioned host of this podcast, Tyler Crawley. And yeah, I mean, it's the weather I think is playing a part, but also we're kind of busy here. I I don't know about everywhere else, but I know at Town Bank, we're actually kind of busy. I thought things would really be cooling off, especially going into Thanksgiving. And, you know, then we got Christmas not far away with Thanksgiving being a little later this year. So I thought, yeah, definitely things would be cooling off more, and they're not. So it kind of feels like, man, there's a lot going on at work, and then we have it being unseasonably warm. And then we actually had a lot of data that we got to get to here on today's program. After this, though, not not, not so much data. <laughs> We're getting some stuff today, but uh, rest of the week, not a lot going on. So the big question is, will I be doing a Friday show with not a lot to talk about? I think I might. I think I might just for the challenge of it. So we did have a lot happening today. We got existing home sales falling more than expected, worse than expected. Oh, you just, when we knew it was going to be bad, we just didn't know it was going to be worse. (laughs) So we'll talk about that. Uh, We got FOMC minutes. So we'll be talking about what the Fed had to say at their last meeting about what was happening with housing, their take on housing, and then rent growth slowing to pre-pandemic levels, actually below pre-pandemic levels, but not that much relief for renters. So we're going to get to all that, but let's start with the big report, existing home sales falling to a 13-year low, a new 13-year low. Because a lot of this, a lot of the, the dip that we've seen recently, it's like, oh, we're comparing it to like December 2010 and then October 2010. Now... We have seen levels drop to the to the lowest level since August of 2010. So economists thought that we were going to see existing home sales. The annual rate was going to fall to 3.9 million. That would have been a 1.5% drop. We actually got a 4.1% drop, and we are at a, an annual rate of 3.79 million in October. So bigger drop. And we are now at the lowest level since August of 2010. <laughs> August of 2010. So uh, it's been a little while. But that's a new 13-year low. And then looking at the year-over-year numbers, because remember last year things were slowing down. And we're almost 15% below where we were last year, just to give you an idea of how much things have slowed down. But as I, as I said, this is national. And you know, we've seen a little bit of a pickup at least here in Wilmington, or maybe it's just 
at Town Bank. <laughs> We've seen a little bit of a pickup with uh, you know this, this recent you know drop in the thirty year. It, it's inching back up, but I think that got a lot of people's attention, and they were like, "Hey, maybe I maybe we should get that house." Especially now that I kind of noticed this. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I've noticed it feels like all the people on Twitter and YouTube and other places they've kind of maybe realized that there's not going to be a housing crash like 2008. The big short 2.0 is not going to happen. Some diehards, they're still sticking to it. But I've noticed that now they're like, oh, okay, well, that actually the housing crash is already happening. And it's happening in like Texas or Florida or California or like particular markets. But they've kind of given up on this idea that there's going to be this big housing crash like 2008. They, they finally caught on. That that's not going to be happening like a lot of us have been saying. The data just does not support that. Not even close. And yeah, sure, I mean, you're going to see ebb and flows in the market. And we could see home prices dip in the beginning of this next year, maybe the ending of this year. But this big drop off, it's just it's not going to be happening. Um, but yeah, I mean, so now we have sales down 15%, almost 15% from where we were last year, bigger than economists were expecting. And it's actually not just a demand side problem. Um, there's no doubt that, you know, rates, because remember, this report is from October. So October, we saw rates. I mean, that was the topic of conversation. Are rates going to hit 8%? And in some cases, they did, depending on your situation, where you are, whatever that may be. We did see some people with 8% mortgage rates out there. We're getting quoted at 8%. And then we had that you know CPI report here in November, and then rates just, whoom, they dropped. I mean, biggest drop that we've seen in, in might have been a year, I think. I think it was last November. We saw, it was, there was one week where they, the 30-year fixed, according to Freddie Mac, dropped a quarter point. And so we saw a couple weeks where rates fell, and now they're kind of inching back up a little bit. But I think that got people... Um, I mean, there's no doubt that mortgage rates are putting extreme downward pressure on sales because there are a lot of people who are either sitting in a home with 3% mortgage or they're renting uh, or they just can't afford to buy. They've been priced out. So I'm, I'm, I'm not someone like, oh, it's all inventory. No, no, no. It, a lot of this is demand. But inventory is playing a part. Uh, for example, in this October report, total units increased 1.8%. So it increased 1.8% to 1.15 million units. However, that is down 6% from one year ago, which is why I think you're looking at both an inventory and a sort of demand side problem. Because let's just say, for example, let's just say, you know, it was, it was just demand. Then we would see supply higher than last year it wouldn't be lower it's lower because we're seeing less demand but we're also seeing less supply that's how you know it's both a supply and demand problem they're both dropping it's not just demand or supply because like i said if it was just demand supply would be higher than where we were last year because demand has fallen off with rates you know at almost eight percent uh, in October. And so that tells me that it's it's both. It's probably mostly demand, <laughs> but supply is undoubtedly playing a part in this as well. Unsold inventory sits at a 3.6 month supply at the current sales pace, up 
from 3.4 months in September and 3.3 months one year ago. Now, once again, because demand is dropping, but so is supply, prices continue to rise. The median existing home price rose to $391,800 in October. That is an increase of 3.4% from one year ago. All four U.S. regions registered a price increase year over year, with the Northeast seeing the biggest increase, 7.5%. How insane is that? Can you imagine going to anyone at the start of this year when we thought things had sort of were, were getting close to the bottom with, you know, rates had just jumped up at the end of last year. We'd seen demand drop. Everyone assumed that, oh my gosh, this is going to be the year that we're going to see negative pricing year over year. Here we are, October, 10 months in, home prices in the Northeast are up 7.5%. It's just, it's crazy. It is so crazy, which once again, it's a supply and a demand problem. I mean, you can't stress that enough. Uh, the Midwest took the number two spot, kind of a distant second, with home prices up 4.2% to $285,100. Midwest still very affordable. Um, South was up 3.5%, $357,700, and the West was up 2.3%. Now with the median price at 600, back above 600, 602,200. That's the median home price in the West. Uh, and here's some good news. So once again, affordability, an issue, higher rates, higher prices, a lot of concern about first-time home buyers. But they're holding on. You got to give them credit. They're holding on. In October, first-time home buyers, as a percentage of overall sales, actually increased 1% to 28 or 1 percentage point the 28% up from 27% the prior month is actually identical to where we were a year ago. Not bad. So like I said, I mean, they're holding on. I mean, we'd like it to be higher and we'd like to be at least a third. We're under that right now, but holding on, holding on despite sales falling. We actually saw an increase in first time home buyers. I will take it. Uh, and then also, not surprising, um, cash is still king. All cash sales accounted for 29% of transactions, unchanged from September, but up three percentage points when compared to October 2022. It makes sense, right? You know, see mortgage rates moving closer to 8%. All of a sudden, cash makes a little bit more sense. Lawrence Young, chief economist at the National Association of Realtors, said that despite a lot of downward projections for 2023, it has been a good year to be a homeowner. While circumstances for buyers remain tight, home sellers have done well as prices continue to rise year over year, including a new all-time high for the month of October. In fact, a typical homeowner has accumulated more than $100,000 in housing wealth over the past three years. So once again, a year ago, I cannot imagine anyone would have predicted that home prices in the Northeast would be up 7.5%, overall 3%. Just crazy times. <laughs> crazy times. It's been good to be a homeowner. It has not been great to be a renter, even though we are seeing rent growth slow for the 17th straight month. This according to CoreLogic and their CoreLogic single-family rent 
index, 17th month, this is the 17th straight month that we have seen the year-over-year appreciation slow. But looks can be a little deceiving here. So single-family rent growth was up 2.6% when compared to the same time last year. That is down from 2.9% in August and is the lowest level in three years. Single-family rent growth actually fell 0.2% from August. This is the first time this has happened since the pandemic. First time we've seen a negative month. But it is in line with seasonal trends recorded over the 15 years prior to the pandemic. So we're back to a more seasonal rental market and housing market, right? A lot of people are projecting that we're going to see maybe home prices fall. Very similar to what we're seeing right now with with rent prices. Uh, Unfortunately, lower priced rental units are still up the most, 4.2% appreciation. Higher priced, only up 2.4. And St. Louis posted the highest, St. Louis posted the highest year-over-year increase in single-family rents in August uh, with prices up 7%. That's crazy. Chicago was number two up 5.7%, and then Boston and San Diego. Look at somewhere in California making it way on the list, up 5.6%. On the flip side, Austin, Texas was the worst with um, single-family rents down almost a full percentage point year over year. Las Vegas, not far behind, down just 0.8%. So Texas was down 0.9%, Vegas 0.8%, and Miami down half a percent year over year. But here is, I think, an important point. It's it's not dissimilar to what we're seeing with inflation. And we've talked about this before. It's especially difficult for, for um, politicians in office because it's because right now the dumbest debate that's be, that's being had on Twitter, there's a lot. That's that's how dumb it is. To be the dumbest on Twitter is impressive. People are debating on whether or not Thanksgiving is going to cost more or less. You know, they do this with the 4th of July. Whenever there's like a big holiday, the economists are like, oh, uh, if you actually look at prices, you know, you're, this 4th of July, you're going to save 10 cents versus last year. Like everyone's like, oh my God, what a relief. And I think I saw a report that Thanksgiving dinner was going to be 60, was down like $6 or was it 6%? It was something with a six. What was it? Hold on. Let me see. I got to look this up. It was something with a six. Um, Let's see here. $61 will cost $61 less. There we go. And so, of course, some people are like, oh, look at that. Oh, it's falling. But the biggest problem with that is that it shot up so much these last couple of years that you're like, yeah, 61 bucks. You know, it's up $400 since then. So now we're going to save 61. Oh, wow. That's real big. And Molly Bozel, principal economist, for CoreLogic kind of made this point in this release that don't look at these numbers and go, oh man, look how great it is to be a renter. Prices are actually falling if you're in a place like Austin, Texas. Oh my gosh, that must be great. Because rents have skyrocketed (laughs) over the last couple of years. Uh, Bozel writes, single family rents grew by 30% since February 2020. And small drops in some areas barely put a dent in the overall cumulative increase 
For example, even though rents in Miami have declined by half a percent since August 2022, they are still 51% higher than before the pandemic. So it's like no one's celebrating like, oh my gosh, rents in Miami. Oh, so affordable now. No, they, they've fallen from insane levels. And so it's looks can be deceiving. And you got to take that into account that, oh my gosh, things actually fell. Yeah, but they were already up 50% in three years. <laughs> so half a percent drop is not going to, is not going to, and like I said, I compared it to the stupid debate that we always have about, you know, how much something costs versus what it cost before. And, and, oh, you should be feeling better. All these economists on Twitter, you should be feeling better, Americans. Why aren't you feeling better? It's like, because prices have really gone up. And you guys need to realize that <laughs> and not just go, oh, look how great gas prices are down 10 cents and your Thanksgiving dinner will be $61. It's just not, it's not, it's, it's a dumb, it's always a dumb argument to make because you cannot tell someone that they, that, they sh- that, that the way they're feeling is wrong. You, you can't win that. There's no logical debate. You're, you're, the way you're feeling, it's wrong. You got to change the way you're feeling. <laughs> you, should, you should be feeling abundance. I don't know why you're feeling scarcity. It's wrong. It's like, you can't, no, it's not, you're not going to convince them with the data. It's just not going to work. So if anyone's out there like, oh, renters should just be loving it. No, no, don't, don't do that. <laughs> don't make that argument. Um, all right, here, let's talk about the last Fed meeting. So last Fed meeting, second pause in a row. Probably we're going to see pauses indefinitely at least until something happens in 24 where they decide that they are going to cut rates. Um, but what happened, we get the FOC minutes. You know, this is what was happening kind of behind the scenes that, that led them to that decision. And they, of course, talk about all aspects of the economy, labor market, inflation, everything. But they talk about housing and credit. And the staff review of the financial situation said credit in residential mortgage markets remained easily available. I love this for high credit score borrowers who meet standard conforming loan criteria. So if you're a perfect borrower, credit's easy. (laughs) I mean, we got a real problem if you're a great borrower, high credit score, conforming loan, and you're not getting the loan. We We got, that is a real big problem. So it's like, hey, everything's good if you're a perfect borrower. Okay. However, in the October um, SL, the SLUS, I can't remember what that acronym stands for. I remember looking at it in the report. I forgot what it stands for. Uh, Banks reported tighter standards and weaker demand for almost all categories of residential real estate loans in the third quarter. Not surprising with rates moving up. Consumer credit remained readily available for most borrowers, especially the good borrowers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was my, that wasn't in there. That was, that was my um, commentary. Uh, although there were signs of tightening standards, credit card balances grew at stronger paces in August while auto credit continued to grow at a modest pace. I think they actually said that student loan balances saw a big drop. The staff characterized asset valuation pressures as notable. In particular, the staff noted that valuations in equities, housing, and CRE, it's commercial real estate. In case you didn't know, I knew. I know what that acronym stood for. CRE, I got. Sluice, I don't know. Uh, we're high. 
House prices increased to the upper end of their historical range relative to fundamentals, despite tight credit conditions in the mortgage market. Uh, now, the participants' views, that would be the, the Fed chairs. They said with inflation still well above the committee's long-run goal and labor market remaining tight, most participants continued to see upside risk to inflation, basically telling us that we're not going to be cutting preemptively. <laughs> we're going to have to have evidence for why we're going to cut. A few participants observed the activity in the housing sector had flattened out in recent months, likely reflecting the effects of further increases in mortgage rates from already elevated levels. Now, they mentioned that all participants judged that it would be appropriate for policy to remain at a restrictive stance for some time until inflation is clearly moving down sustainably towards the committee's objective. Participants also observed that the continuing process of reducing the size of Federal Reserve's balance sheet was an important part of the overall approach to achieving their macroeconomic objectives, a.k.a. continuing to remove money from the system. After all the money they put in, pulling it back out with the quantitative tightening. So at least the Fed is aware that things are tightening up in the mortgage markets, except for the good borrowers. <laughs> things are good. Things are good for them. All right, what do we got happening today? The last real day we're getting any anything. Uh, mortgage demand and rates out at 7 a.m., 8.30. Durable goods supposed to fall 3.2%. Worst month since July, if that happens. Then we got jobless claims also expected to fall, 225,000. And then mortgage rates at noon. And then on Thursday, Thanksgiving, Japan's inflation rate is expected to rise to 3.2%. So we'll see. That looks like we got enough for a show on Friday. Maybe I'll do like a live show or something along those lines. Where instead of doing the podcast, since I'm not working on Friday, maybe I'll do a live show. Hmm. We will see. We'll see what happens. I will keep you in the loop. <laughs> but you guys, enjoy your Wednesday. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. It's going to get cold, at least here in southeastern North Carolina. So hopefully, you like it cold, a little cold on Thanksgiving. Have your meal, go for a walk, bundle up, watch some football. It's good Thanksgiving. It's going to be a good Thanksgiving this year. Uh, you guys, enjoy your Thanksgiving. I'll be talking to you on Friday morning. I will, for another edition of Markets and Mortgages. And remember, as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait. <laughs>